God wants you to know His blessing. You know why? So that you will be joyful and you will live an attractive life. So that when people who don't know Jesus looks at you, when they look at you, they will say, what do you have? You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Why do you think God wants you to know His blessing? Think about it. Why do you think God wants you to know His blessing? Think about it. Why should you know? So what if you don't know? God wants you to know His blessing because God wants you to know the resources available for you. God wants you to know that He wants you to live radically different from others. God wants you to know His blessing so that you can triumph over difficulties. God wants you to know His blessing so that you'll appreciate God daily. God wants you to know His blessing, you know why? So that you will be joyful and you will live an attractive life. So that when people who don't know Jesus looks at you, when they look at you, they will say, what do you have? But the problem is this. Most Christians do not live an attractive Christian life. No joy. It's like every Sunday you come. I look at your faces. This is not a funeral parlor, okay? So when I look at your faces, what must you do? Joyful. But you cannot fake joyfulness. You know why? It has to come from within. And that's why you need to know this message. The blessings of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, he talks about peace with God. Blessings money cannot buy. Access to God. Wow. Hope of glory. You have an amazing future. Joy in tribulation. Can you imagine that you can be happy in the midst of tribulation? Why? You will find out. The love of God. The blessing that God wants you to know that you have. Saved from God's wrath. You will never appreciate saved from God's wrath until you know the problem. Reconciled with God. Now, what is the common denominator of all of these seven blessings? Jesus Christ. So to me, the greatest blessing in life is Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you may have everything, but you end up with nothing. That's why the Apostle Paul is very clear. He said, for me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. For many people today, for to me, to live is money, privilege, power, prestige. Well, if that's what you live for, then to die is lost. But for you and me, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That is the normal Christian life. You got to know your blessing. Look at chapter 1. Having been justified by faith, we have noticed peace with God. He's not talking about the peace of God. He's talking about another kind of peace. It is peace with God. What does that mean? That means once upon a time, 
God is your enemy. Everybody read. While we were enemies. Ah. Theologically, you have to know our problem. You need peace. Not just inner peace. You need peace with God. Without peace with God, you will never have peace with yourself. Without peace with God, you will never have peace with your friends. Vertical first. Get right with God, and then you will get right with other people. But if you are not right with God, you will not have peace. What's my proof? Well, look at this amazing verse, Isaiah 48, 22. The Bible tells us there is no peace for the wicked. You see, the word wicked does not mean murderer only. It does not mean rapist. The word wicked in the Bible is anybody who does not recognize God as his God. That includes all of us. You see, you underestimate the seriousness and the awfulness of sin. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is treason. Do not take sin lightly. That's why many people say, I have no problem with God. I'm not angry at God. Excuse me. God is angry at you. Why is he angry at you? Because God is holy and our sin has made a separation with God. Our sin is horrible. It is rebellion against God. Every sin that you commit is saying, God, I don't care about you. It is very serious. So what is the solution? Let me tell you the solution of the world. The solution of the world is superficial. Here is the solution. If you go for psychotherapy, you know what they tell you? Don't worry about sin. Sin is psychological. Don't think about God. No heaven, no hell. Since there is no God, who tells you what is right or wrong? So that guilt feeling, that guilt feeling that you have, it's all psychological. So take a vacation. Watch Netflix. Be with your friends. Get drunk. Take drugs. Whatever it is. You want peace? Superficial solution. Many people are so busy. They don't want to be silent. They don't want to be alone. You know why? Their guilt bothers them. Pretty soon, your conscience becomes numb. And once it, is, once it is numb, you think you are okay. You ask people, everything okay? Okay, okay. I was shocked when I discovered there are many people today who call themselves Christians, but they are committing adultery. They are committing immorality. But to them, it's okay. Why? Numb. My friend, the only way to have real peace is to admit you come to Jesus. I like this quotation by John Stott. John Stott said, everybody read with me, you will only be healed of guilt to the degree you are willing to admit the magnitude of your sin. David experienced this. You know, when David was hiding his sin before God, you know what happened to him? Everybody, read this. Psalm 32. When I kept silent about my sin, notice when I kept silent, when I pretend I'm okay, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Notice God is against you. I hate to live in such a way that God is against me. So David is saying, I'm wasting away. I'm so miserable. Yet David was the king. He has everything. But he was miserable. Notice what happened. Uh -huh. 
I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I did not hide. That word iniquity is perversion. My foolishness, my perversion, I did not hide. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Wow, everybody read this. And you forgive the guilt of my sin. Praise God. What's the next blessing? The next blessing, I love this, it's called what? Access to God. Do you know what is access to God? Access to God is from this word, look at Romans chapter 5, okay? Through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith. This word introduction is an amazing Greek word. It is used to describe entering the presence of a king. You are ushered in to the presence of something superior. And the Bible is saying because of Jesus, we have now what? Access to the throne of grace. And that's why the Bible tells us, look at Hebrews, okay? The Bible tells us, what must you and I do? Everybody read, let us draw near with confidence. Wow, confidence to the throne of grace. Wow, before the king, the throne of grace. For what purpose? So that we may receive mercy and find grace. How often do you come to the throne of grace? I come to God daily. I tell God I need grace. I seek wisdom from God because I acknowledge my dependence. But I also use my privilege. You know what's my privilege? Access to the king of kings. Do you know somebody paid $19 million just to have a meeting with Warren Buffett? There was a charity drive, and he paid $19 million just to spend time with Warren Buffett. Why? Why is he willing to pay $19 million? I believe he wants to meet him, probably to have connection, probably to get his wisdom, because Warren Buffett is an expert in investment. He made his billions through investment. But can I tell you something? You have somebody greater than Warren Buffett. Who is that person? The king of kings. God himself. You want connection? I'll give you a connection. Look at Ephesians. It tells you the access to God. Everybody read. For through Jesus, we both have access. So my friend, you have access. Do you know your privilege? If you are discouraged, what must you do? Go to God. Throne of grace. If you're discouraged, if you don't know what to do, pray. So my question to you, how is your quiet time? Do you come to God daily? Do you study His Word? Let Him speak to you. How do you expect to live a vibrant Christian life when you don't access God's presence? You see, God wants you to come to Him. You are the one that is too busy for God. You are the one that is saying, God, I'm sorry, I don't have time. Just imagine the king of kings is always waiting for you 24-7. Next blessing. I love this. It's called the hope of glory. What is this hope of glory, the blessing? Let's read. 
through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Okay? So, you have access, standing in the grace of God, we, everybody read, we exalt. The word exalt has to do with confident joy. You are joyful. You are confident in hope of the glory of God. The hope in the Bible is never like wishful thinking. How many of you are single? Raise your hand. Singles? I love singles. Okay, singles? Higher, higher, higher. Now, singles, when you say, I hope to get married, is that a certainty or wishful thinking? Not sure. If you want to be a billionaire, I want to be a billionaire, but you are not yet even a millionaire, okay? Is that wishful thinking? Yes or no? If you buy lottery ticket and you want to win 500 million pesos, is that wishful thinking or is that a certainty? When the Bible uses the word hope, it is 100% sure. Except it is future. It's not now. Example, when the Bible says, I exalt in the hope of glory, what is he talking about? Look at Romans chapter 5. The hope of glory has to do with what? Your own destiny. For example, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, you, you got to understand the big picture. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the, everybody read, the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's a future tense. The Bible is not in denial. You guys will have problem. I will have problem. But because of Jesus Christ, we have an amazing future, the hope of glory. Do you know you are destined for glory? Look at this verse. Sufferings of this present time. In other words, being a Christian does not exempt you from problems. You may go through problems. You may be suffering now. So what do you do? If you don't know the truth, you get discouraged. If you don't know the truth, you give up Christianity. Ah, ayakuna. My friend, understand theology. If you are in Christ, you have an amazing, glorious future. Do you know that? I will show you another verse. First John chapter 3. Everybody, now we are children of God. It has not appeared as yet what we will be like. But you know one thing. You know. When he appears, everybody read, we will be like him. What does it mean to be like Jesus? The glorious body of Jesus. You will be like Jesus. Jesus can walk through walls. Jesus can teleport. Whatever it is, it is glorious. And this truth, the big picture, the future glory of God's people, because we will see him just as he is. Notice the power of seeing the future. Everyone who has this hope, the certainty of seeing Jesus and being like Jesus has a sanctifying effect. Fix on him purifies himself as he is pure. You know what will help you overcome sin? It's this reminder. The pleasure of sin is temporal. I'm going to tell you something. Do not deceive yourself. Don't tell your children sin is not pleasurable. No, there are many foolish things that are pleasurable, but they are temporal. 
So don't exchange future glory for temporal happiness. It is not worth it. Next. Wow, what is another blessing? This is amazing. Joy in tribulation. See, once you have the big picture and you're in trouble, you are able to have joy. Now, look at me. This is so counterintuitive. Let's look at the verses, Romans 5, 3, and 4. Not only this, but we also exalt again, same word. We exalt, we rejoice with confidence in our tribulation. Now, be honest. How many of you like tribulations? How many of you don't like tribulations? How many of you will never raise your hand, no matter what I do? <laughs> you see, this word tribulation is a unique word. It deals with pressure. It deals with persecution. And the Bible says you are to rejoice. Wow! One of the blessings of being in Christ, you are able to rejoice. Why? Knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance. That's the famous word that we taught you years ago. Hupo money. Perseverance. You're able to endure with joy, with anticipation. See, the word perseverance, endurance, patience does not mean resignation. Uh, you know, some people are always depressed. Some Christians, I see them depressed. Uh, how is life? Okay. How are you doing? Okay. My friend, that kind of life will never attract unbelievers. You should say, by the grace of God, in spite of my problems, God is good. Amen? Why is God good? Because He's using problems to mold your character. Do you realize, as I look back in my life, it is never the good times that I'm transformed. It's always the bad times. Many of you know my story. Years ago, I was kicked out of our own company. Impossible, but that is what happened. And in the moment of desperation, I was married already, I discovered something. My identity is not tied up to my work. My identity should not be tied up to my position. My identity should not be tied up with the people that I go around with. My identity is in Christ. And I realized what God did. He made me more sensitive to injustice. He made me become more sympathetic with people. You must understand, I was born with a silver platinum spoon. I never knew hardship. I never knew what it means to have financial problem. And I didn't even know I was proud. You know why? Because in my mind, I was not proud. I don't boast. But the truth is, I do look down on other people secretly. How did God change me? Never in good times. It was when I was down. And that's why all of you who are down now, you must exalt. I'm not telling you. It is God telling you. Everybody read this one more time. We also exalt in our tribulation. Why? By faith. You must know that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and character what is this tied up with? Well, this is tied up with the next blessing. You know, the next blessing is so amazing. It's called, wow, the love of God. 
And when you have trials, you begin to experience the presence of God in your life. Remember this saying, you will never know. God is sufficient until the only thing you have is God. See, as long as you have substitutes, you have substitutes for God. Security, friends, help. Nothing wrong with them. But God wants you to develop intimacy with him. So love of God. Notice it is not love for God. Look at the blessing. It is the love of God. And because of the love of God, the next blessing is you are saved from God's wrath. Now let me explain to you. Love of God. Let's look at the Bible verse. Everybody read with me. Hope does not disappoint us because, everybody read, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The first time in the book of Romans you have the love of God mentioned and for the first time you have the Holy Spirit mentioned. And all of these are in Christ. How did the Bible describe the love of God? Well, this is how he described this, the love of God. So that you will fully understand the love of God, right? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. While we were still helpless. Notice the love of God. How are we called? Helpless? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We are ungodly. You see, the love of God is unconditional. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. He's not making a comparison. People may die for good people. Maybe. He's saying maybe. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see the difference? We are called sinners. We are called ungodly. And yet Jesus died for you and for me. Did you know Jesus did not wait until you become good? Okay, I'll save you when you become good. No, no, no. He died for you while you were still a sinner. Honestly, this love of God is something you need to meditate on. People usually tell me, Peter, Pastor, I want deeper truth. I, I, I tell them, what can be deeper than the love of God for you and for me. You know, someday, when I go to heaven, I still will not understand how God gave his life for me. How God sent Jesus to die in my place. Such is the love of God. God loves you. Do you know that? He wants you to know. He loves you. He poured his love, not your love for him. You don't love God. You are enemies. But God said, I love you. I died for you. And my friend, look at verse 9 and 10. How did this love impact our relationship with God? Much more than, okay? He died for the ungodly. Look at this love having now been justified by his blood. The love of God, the love of Jesus is sacrificial. He died for us. He shed his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Notice the wrath of God is real. But the love of God found a solution. It is through the blood and death of Jesus. Amazing. 
Look at the next verse. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. It's all about Jesus. Having, much more, having been reconciled, notice the grammar, perfected past tense, you are now reconciled once after you come to Christ, we shall be saved by his life. It's now future tense. When you read the Bible, don't be confused. Salvation is a big picture. Salvation involves my past. Jesus Christ died for my sins. I'm justified. That's why I peace with God. Salvation involves your present life. While you go through tribulation, but you have access to God. So God is always with you, helping you. Salvation includes the future. You will be saved, not just from the presence of sin. You will be saved from the wrath that is to come. But your problem, my problem, we don't know that the wrath of God awaits us. Why do I say that? You see, the love of God is protecting us from the wrath of God. Let me share with you. Do you know the last prayer recorded in the Bible for unbelievers? The last prayer. Do you know what is the last prayer for people who don't surrender their lives to Jesus? Here is the last prayer. Let's look at Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 6. They prayed. They said to the mountains and to the rocks. Everybody read. Fall on us. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Wow. The wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come. Who is able to stand? You see, someday the unbelievers will get the shock of his life. They'll get the shock of their lives. Because someday the unbelievers will realize everything in the Bible is true. There will be a day of judgment. You see, it doesn't matter whether you believe or you don't believe. Look, listen to me. It doesn't matter. Truth is not subject to your opinion. It is not subject to majority decision. Truth is truth, whether you like it or not. And I'm telling you what the Bible is saying. I choose to believe the Bible. I do not choose to believe the opinion of people. Now, it's your choice today to listen to the Bible or not. I will not force you. But if you choose to believe the Bible, then you take action. Look at the wrath of God. Notice the grammar. For the great day of, notice there. Who is this there, wrath? Who is this there, wrath? Him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, let me give you an example of the wrath of God. All right? Let's look at Revelation chapter 20. Justice will come one day. Listen to me. Justice will come. The wrath of God will be seen. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. Lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented. Everybody read? Day and night, forever and ever. Now you will say, well, that's for the devil and the false prophet. Ah, read the next verse. I want to show you another verse. Revelation 20, verse 11. Everybody, read together. I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it whose presence 
earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. You cannot hide from God someday. You may try to hide, but you cannot hide. And I saw the dead, even the dead, <coughs> will be resurrected to be judged. Everybody read louder. <coughs> Together. Standing before the throne. What happened? Books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. So there are two books. Continue. <coughs> ah, there's a book. It is based on your life. And the Bible tells us, <coughs> oh, continue reading the next verse, please. The dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Listen to me now. God is going to be very fair. He will judge everyone according to their deeds. That, my friend, is justice. Everybody will be given a chance to explain his life. And the Bible says we are all guilty. You are saved, not by justice. You are saved by grace. The justice was because of Jesus. He died for you. Continue reading. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into. So, my friend, I don't know about you. Either this is true or this is not true. I have seen people here who are first-timers. And when they hear this, you have one option or two options, or three options. First option, you don't hear. You just say, that's his opinion. Excuse me, that's not my opinion. I'm sharing you from the Bible. Second option, okay. Maybe true, may not be true. I'll think about it. Excuse me, maybe true, may not be true, and you think about it. What if it is true? Or number three, you humble yourselves. Lord, I'm in deep trouble. I'm a sinner. I know if you judge me according to my deeds, if you judge me, I'm guilty. So, Lord, I want my name to be written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? Yes or no? How is your name written in the book of life? Ah, when you surrender to the Lord. That's why I like this verse, if you don't mind. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. The Bible tells us, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus Christ. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. If you have Jesus, he saves you. You know, let's summarize all the blessings. Okay, what are the blessings in Jesus? Because of Christ, you have peace with God, you have access to God, you have the hope of glory, amazing future, you have joy in the midst of tribulation, the love of God is so real in your life. It's poured out. You are able to love others. Saved from God's wrath. And lastly, you are reconciled with God. You know, that word reconciliation is a theological word. It means once upon a time, we were enemies. And now God is saying, let's be friends. Let me ask you a question. Who took the initiative to be reconciled to us? Who took the initiative? God. Do you know this word reconciliation is used in warfare? If a strong country 
is about to attack a smaller country, and that smaller country is pretty smart. They know they have no chance. What do they do? They will accept the terms of surrender. And once you accept the terms of surrender, okay, peace. Do you know the same with God? God is offering you friendship, reconciliation, but not based on your term. It has to be based on God's term. And his term is very simple. Recognize me as your king. Recognize me as your Lord. Admit that I am your Lord. I am your Savior. You need to surrender. So my friend, what's the next step? Well, once you are reconciled, I'd like you to notice one thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, this is your assignment. To those of you who are sure already, let's read this together. Now, all these things are from God. Notice, God is the one initiating who reconciled us. God is the one reconciling us to himself through Christ. So theologically speaking, reconciliation is an act of God through Jesus to restore us. And gave us, notice, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We, you and I, are to bring people and help them reconcile to God. Not just with each other, but to God. Notice, namely, everybody read, God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us. He has committed to you the word of reconciliation. So what is the next verse as we close? That's what it says. Therefore, everybody, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, you are God's messenger and God speaks through you. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And in behalf of the King of Kings, I'm offering you his message. Be reconciled to God. If there is something in your life right now that you know is not right, be reconciled. Because God is offering you that opportunity. Is there anything in your life that you know is not pleasing to God? You are compromising. God is saying, surrender that. God wants to use you to bless others. Be a messenger. Reconciliation starts with God. The agent is Jesus. The messenger is you. What a privilege. Just this week, my wife and I, we were in an Asian country. Mostly Muslim. In that opportunity that God gave us, I was able to witness also to different kinds of people. To atheists, to Muslim, and to all kinds. You know why? To me, it's a privilege. That's why I love, as we close, Romans chapter 1. You know, I pray as you listen to the blessing of God, you will have this motivation, God's blessing. Therefore, I'm under obligation. Because of God's blessing, obligation to share the gospel. I'm eager to preach the gospel. And lastly, you must say, I am not ashamed. Are you eager? Are you under obligation to share Yes. And lastly, are you ashamed or not? Is God good? Yes or no? 
Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. As you think of God's blessing, number one, I'd like you to thank him. Right now, thank Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we have all of these blessings. Can you pray privately right now? You thank him from your heart. I'll give you some time. You thank him. Number two, after thanking him, to those of you who are not yet reconciled, you are not sure you'll go to heaven. But you like to surrender your life. You like to be reconciled. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hands? Praise God. Anybody else? Today you want to be reconciled to God. Okay, raise your hands and pray this prayer with me between you and the Lord. Okay, as you raise your hands, you pray. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I need to be reconciled. I surrender my life to you. I accept your terms of reconciliation. I surrender the rule of my life. I surrender being the controller of my life. I surrender them all to you. Be my boss. Be my manager. Be the king of my life. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept the gift of reconciliation. And lastly, to those of you who know and you've been reconciled, I'm challenging you now to take a step to share with somebody this week the gospel. If you are willing to pray and share with somebody this week, I want to pray for you. Stand up. And I pray for you. Make a commitment. I will share with somebody this week. If you are willing to make that commitment, you ask God to help you share with somebody this week, I want you to stand up. And I'll pray for you. And you'll be surprised if you ask God to give you opportunity to share. He will give you the opportunity to share. But you got to pray and ask him. How many of you are willing to commit to share the gospel, to share the message of reconciliation? This week, I'm not talking about this year, this week, between now and next Sunday, you ask God to open the door for you. You stand up and you share the gospel. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Remember, sharing the gospel is a privilege. Not everybody can share the gospel because they have not experienced the love of God, but you have. But you need courage. You need opportunities. I will pray for you. No, I praise God that the blessings is all in Jesus. Father God in heaven, I pray for these men and women who stood up. Open the doors. Open their eyes. Open our eyes to see the opportunities of sharing the gospel. Sharing the message of reconciliation. Help us not to keep this blessing for ourselves. Help us to want to overflow to share this blessing with others. And I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. Help me to see who are the people you want me to share the gospel with this week. It can be our relatives. It can be family friends. It can be a driver. It can be anybody. But Lord, open our eyes. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen to amen. God bless you.